Spoonful of Paolo, here we go. Hey guys, it's Paolo. So I am so excited because today I get to talk to the very talented and very smart Maya Bialik. I grew up watching her in Blossom and now I get to talk to her about her brand new show on Fox called Call Me Cat. And let me tell you, she is so funny. It has an amazing cast. And she also said it's one of her dream roles. So let's get the scoop from Mayim. All right, all right, Mayim, I cannot say how excited I am to have you on A Spoonful of Paolo. Thank you, thank you, thank you, really. Thank you, I'm super excited to get to talk to you. Oh my God, thank you. You know, before we go into the show and everything, you know, today's a special day. This episode will air early next week, but today's inauguration day. And I just wanna know, how are you feeling? Because I couldn't sleep all night. It felt like Christmas Eve for me. What are you feeling? What's going through your mind? Um, I mean, I, I've never celebrated Christmas, but I would imagine this is what it feels like. Um, you know, I'm obviously feeling um, tremendous relief. You know, I think we're all breathing kind of a collective sigh of relief. And I, I think the notion of a certain kind of decorum returning to the White House is really necessary. And also, I still have a tremendous amount of disappointment in our government and the people of this country because many of us four years ago felt like enough was enough. And when our president continued to denigrate people of color, um, our LGBTQ friends, I mean, name it, and he's denigrated it. And it's like, I don't wanna say it's a little too little too late, but it's also very painful to realize what we had to get to, to lead to, to certain, um, consequences. So I'm nervous. I'm nervous that we have a country that is so, 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 so divided um, and also really hopeful that um, that this can be, I mean, there's so many firsts, you know, from Kamala straight on through the cabinet. We have a wall in my house. I have boys who are 12 and 15, all the firsts, you know, the first transgender representative and the first openly, it's just like everything is on our wall. And I had my boys look up each one so we have a little wall of fame. So there's so many firsts and that's really something that we're so excited about. You are such an awesome mom. You know, we're celebrating today because I made your uh, pecan pie truffles, okay? Oh my gosh! Yeah, um, I ate two right before you came here because my husband yelled at me, but I'm like, they're so good and they're vegan. They're really um, good. Yes, they're really good. So we're celebrating by eating your pecan pie truffles. So thank you, okay? Thank you. Well, my children won't eat them. They say they're too sweet. So I I'm glad someone's enjoying they're them. They're not too sweet. Oh my God, they're so good. Um, okay, so I want to say congratulations to you on Call Me Cat. You and the cast are hilarious. It's so funny. And for those who don't know, you play Kat, a 39-year-old woman who left her job as a math teacher, and now she is the proud owner of a cat cafe. And for me yeah. watching the show, I would say that she is, Kat is happy, she's hilarious, she's messy, she's sloppy. She's she, yeah, she's very, very quirky. Yeah, and she doesn't have it all, but yet I felt like from watching these episodes so far that she's still normal and she's real, wouldn't you say? I mean, I think that's really, you know, Jim Parsons, who I worked with on Big Bang Theory, um, this was a project that his company acquired. You know, it's the rights to Miranda, the BBC show. And so doing an American version is obviously difficult because there are things that Miranda did, like breaking the fourth wall and like the waving at the end that, you know, a lot of audiences may not understand. But um, we think that, you know, we're, we're trying to give people a hug through the television. Like we're just... We're trying to entertain people. And like what you said, this is a fun character. She's she's sloppy, she's, you know, can be vulgar, she says the wrong thing, and like she has an active imagination, and the audience is part of her friend circle. 
Um, she's a quirky woman. She's also comfortable in her body. You know, like I don't wear Spanx in real life and I don't have to wear them at work. That's yeah. the best part of my job. <laughs> oh my God. I love her because she reminds me of my ex-fiance who's my best friend, Casey, because she's a cat lover. She like, like she's huge. And I always think of her because she reminds me of the character. Um, and when you talk about Jim Parsons and when he came to you um, with this, because like you said, it's based on the, the Miranda, which is in the UK, the series. Right. But uh, when he came to you, what was that moment like for you leaving the Big Bang Theory and then he comes to you and I know there was a you like wait are you think talking about me being a part of the show and he yeah I had no idea wow <laughs> what was that like I for mean, you I, well Jim and I you know we were friendly we were friends so we would talk to each other about a lot of things going on so I thought he was just telling me like oh I got the rights to this and like isn't this a cool project so I I said yeah I wish you luck like have a great time and he said no I'm I'm asking for us to work together and honestly I was I was floored. I mean, I respect him so much. Like I respect his, his professional persona and his company and the amazing shows that they've already put their heart into. So to get to be included in that circle, I mean, it, you know, it felt like the cool kid wanted yeah. to be friends with me. Yeah. Like, it was really cool. <laughs> that is so awesome. You know, it's, oh my God, that is so freaking cool. For you, this character, you know what I love about her the most is that I feel like she's 39 years old, like we said, but she's not like your typical 39-year-old that society tells you to be. And I feel like that must help so many people out there, men and women, to say, hey, you don't have to be where, what society tells you to be at the age of 39. And I just feel like it's, right. so, it's such a relief to say, yeah, just enjoy life, be you, be fun, go where I you think, wanna go. I think that should, be, that should be your support of our show. It's such a relief. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my God. What's it like for you taping the show, like a comedy show during this pandemic where I know that you guys don't have a live audience. You don't have your writers on the stage. You don't have that support group that you would usually get to feed in like, you know, the laughs and all that. Is it yeah. been challenging for you or have you been accustomed to this by now? Like, no, this is, this is really, you know, I think for people like me who were raised in sitcom, um, and, you know, raised by the likes of Chuck Lorre and Don Rio who did Blossom, like, we live and die by that audience. Like that's how I'm trained is like, if they don't think it's funny, it's not funny, we change it. If they think it's funny, you roll with the laugh. And it's, you know, there's a theater aspect to performing in front of a live audience. And when you don't have that, yes, we have like our crew who sometimes thinks things are funny, but they're also focusing on their jobs while the scene is going on. Um, we do have, you know, we have two, a, a handful of writers that are allowed to be on stage, but they're also listening. They can't be worried about being the laugh track. So that's, that's definitely a challenge. And with comedy, you know, so much of it is timing. So that's also the thing. Like, we kind of feel like we're making a sitcom really with one hand tied, tied behind our back. You know, we're doing our best in an unusual situation. And especially for a sitcom, there is so much riding on those rhythms that we don't get to have access to the yeah. same. The physical comedy that you do really, I mean, I, this is, I'm not saying just because you're on our show, but you are a genius. You play it so, no, but honestly, I take that in really, because you know, life, it, we go so crazy, we spin so fast, but Thank take you. it in, you really are a genius. Was there someone you looked up to with this comedic, <laughs> like that you said, because you play it so good. Um, You know, I was raised watching Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball, um, Tracy Ullman, you know, and even like, I was raised on Three's Company, you know, I was raised on like, you know, Jack Ritter, like that was, you know, so I grew up with um, a lot of that kind of stuff, but I think it's not so, I mean, look, a lot of us grew up watching that and it doesn't mean you necessarily want to embody it. Um, you know, I definitely think there's a lot of, 
you know, I, I come from an ethnic family. So there's a lot of body movement that I already have. That's just part of like how we talk and how we interact, you know, like I call them my ethnic hands. So I think like that, that's, it's in my whole body. You know, I'm a very, my, my dad, you know, rest his memory. Like my dad was a very like funny physical person. My older son got it. Like just certain bodies like to pretend to fall. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so cool because like, obviously I grew up watching you in Blossom and you played Blossom from the ages of 14 through 19. And then right. you took a 12 year break. And then, you know, you gave birth to two beautiful boys. You also got your PhD. D in neuroscience and let me you did your research girl I've known you forever can I watch your YouTube videos okay and then like so I everybody yes she's a doctor I know your mom's like she's not a doctor but you are a doctor okay I want to make that clear um and I know that on set you had a few tutors and one of them I think her name was for Zay who opened Rizé. yeah your mind your heart to the love of science what was it about science that you were so drawn to you think um, you know, I think that we're, we're born wondering, you know, we're born curious and, and children in particular, you know, we're, we're curious, we ask why. And I think um, for me, you know, when I met this tutor and when she was tutoring me on the set of Blossom, um, what the, the knowledge that she had about this aspect of the science world really satisfied something in me. It satisfied a knowing that I wanted to have. And I think also, you know, I was a very angsty kind of existential crisis kind of teenager. So I think having that kind of certainty about the universe felt really comforting to me, you know, and different things will resonate with different people. But at that time in my life, I really like, it literally was, I never thought I could do this because I was always told I'm not good at it. But what if I could, you know, it's unbelievable. Wow. I am so gl glad you listened to yourself because if you didn't, you like, you wouldn't even be here, but you did. Like, right. you didn't let fear take over you. You let love win. And that's why you're here today. Thank so, you. so grateful that's really, for that. You just gave me chills. That's really nice. I mean, hmm. you know, I never thought of it as, as that because it's just like, it's life. You're just like doing the next indicated thing, you know? Um, but looking back and especially now that I have kids and, you know, and I get to interact with so many young people, I see how much, you know, especially young people, they think like, I'm not good at that, which means it's not for me. And everybody learns differently, you know? And I feel like this is, you know, the reason that my grandparents immigrated to this country and fled Eastern Europe, because things are possible here in this culture and in this country in a way they're not a lot of places. So I hope that young people will still be inspired to believe that. Girl, you did an Instagram, I think it was in November, and there was no sound. I remember you were kept talking and talking. You were in your car, and let me tell you, you posted on your Instagram, I think you have like 200,000 views, so people listen to you even if you can't, even if we can't hear you, okay? I think they were laughing at me. They're like, she can't even work the sound. This yeah, is hilarious. Still, that's how much they love you. Um, at the end of your 12 years, um, when you before you did the Big Bang Theory, you were looking for insurance for you and your kids. Like, hey, I need insurance. I know you're like, I'm gonna get a gig or two. But I don't think you expected what was about to come next, which was getting the role of Amy on The Big Bang Theory. What was that moment like for you? Because I don't, you weren't really searching for that big role. It came to you because you were prepared. So what was yeah. that like for you? I mean, it was, look, I was, I was like a, you know, a mom with an infant and a toddler. I was like teaching neuroscience to junior high and high school kids in the homeschool community here. Like I tutored piano, I tutored Hebrew, like I did all the things with like a baby strapped to my chest. It was crazy. And I had never seen the Big Bang Theory. So I was called like to play a female Sheldon Cooper. I'm like, who's that? I got to nurse the baby. 
my manager was like, why do I manage someone who doesn't know who Jim Parsons is? <laughs> like, cause Big Bang was already like a thing. So I did not expect to be made a regular, you know? I thought like a couple episodes, like I had no idea. I was still juggling just like getting my head on straight after having my second kid. Um, so, you know, a really beautiful surprise and, and so many blessings, you know, like tucked into that. But, you know, that's, there are these moments you know, yeah. that just like your life will never be the same. You know, that's it. It's like, there's no turning back. And even if you like succeed, don't succeed, like nothing will be the same. It's all like before that happened and after that happened. So like I had life before beaches and life after beaches. And then I had like life, you know, before my doctorate and after, and now before Big Bang and after. Wow. Just make sure you hold on to these dream moments that have been happening in your career, because I think it's such a huge moment, because I think that's what keeps us going forward, because we have our bad days and our good days, but you've had so many peaks in your career and your personal life that you have to hold on to them, because that's what keeps you going further, you know? So thank yeah. Thank you. That's really sweet. Thank you. Yeah. You know, you've been a huge advocate on mental health, and I want to say thank you for that. I've listened to your new podcast. Um, I think your first guest was Grace Helbig. It was yes. beautiful, um, and I think what I got out of it was that I remember you saying the first time you saw the right therapist was was when you were age you were twenty years old. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, how important is it for that person to find the right therapist? Because I feel like it can make it or break it. You know. Yeah, this is actually, um, and my podcast is called My Ambialics Breakdown, um, mostly so I can say, welcome to my breakdown. I love it when you um, say that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that this is kind of one of the great sticking points, you know, for many people, and in many cases, kind of the barrier. People will say like, oh, I tried therapy and it didn't work. And when I hear that, what, what I hear is it wasn't the right match. Because when you're with a person who allows you to open up, that's when therapy starts. But if you're seeing, and, and I think also we're taught, especially, you know, especially women, especially underserved populations, we're taught like, don't make a fuss. Like it's, you know, like just, just like get smaller. Like don't, don't, it'll be okay. You'll figure it out on your own. And so I think a lot of that is like, we're, we're not taught to speak up and say, this isn't right, I'm gonna try again, you know? And so many people, it's like the labor just to find one person to try out as a therapist, they can't imagine having to do that again. But the fact is when you wonder like, why are things not changing? I really am a firm believer is like, you have to have the right match. And this is what, you know, Freud and all of those dudes found out is that when you're in the right space and you can be yourself, magical things happen even just from being held you know in that space by someone um and you know i was just looking we get a lot of comments and you can ask my anything on my podcast and someone said like i just i can't find the right person how can i get better on my own and it makes me sad because i have to believe that it takes a village we have to keep trying. We have to find the right person. I remember when I was seeing a therapist right after high school, I thought, okay, this is it. This is who I'm stuck with, even though I wasn't connecting with it. But it's like I had to do the, the research, all that on my own, especially back right. then, 20 years ago, until I found right. that right therapist that I felt comfortable in opening up and saying the truth and what I was feeling and what was happening in my life right. at that time, you know? So Yeah, and look, discomfort is normal when you're in therapy because we're not we're not trained, especially men, you know, to just be like, dump all your feelings, say everything you're scared about. Um, but you'll you'll know when you're with someone who you feel you can grow with. And that's really the point. And you know, this is this is really why I started this podcast. Like it should be a human right 
to have access to information about mental health, for you to know what's going on so that you can then get the right help. Because I think so many people, they don't even know what they're experiencing. You know, they don't even know to connect the fact that they drink caffeine all day to like, I can't sleep, I have insomnia. And it's like, people are not connecting these things, right? Or like, if you drive yourself insane all day, of course it's gonna be hard to calm down at night without weed or alcohol. Yes. Like, of course. <laughs> I want to also say that Mayim Bialik's breakdown, you can also see it on your YouTube channel, because that's where I saw the episode as well. So if you don't want to listen yes. to the podcast, you can watch it on your YouTube channel. Um, Correct. You, know, you are a spiritual and a religious person, so I'm curious to know how that has like, helped you to where you are today in your life. Um, you know, it's, it's not a popular thing you know, to talk about in many circles. Um, and, and also being a scientist of faith is something that a lot of people are like, how do you do it? It's like, I do it because that's who I am. You know, it's not like there's a checklist of like, oh, you're allowed to believe this or you're not allowed to believe this if you're, you know, fill in the blank. So for me, you know, I was raised in the Jewish faith and the Jewish culture. And um, I happen to have a belief in the universe that holds for something divine, you know, and to me, gravity is divine. The laws of physics are divine. Like I see divinity in everything and I see it in things that are repaired and in things that are broken too. You know, I don't have a concept that like God has to only be quote good because I don't use those words to define God. Like I wouldn't say gravity is good or bad, just is. Sometimes it does tragic things because it's gravity. Um, but for me, not having that attachment, you know, to divinity in, in, a, in a strict way has been really liberating because when I'm in pain and when I'm suffering or when my father died, I can draw on a source of comfort that, that understands that everything is much more complicated than we can even comprehend, you know? And for me, it, it helps me. I, I work in an industry, you know, where a lot of what we're about is what we look like, who's telling what about who, like you can get so lost in it. But for me, like my religious and spiritual nature gives me perspective. Like the whole world is bigger than this script or this job, or if that person liked me or why nine people didn't like my video on YouTube. <laughs> God, that's so beautiful. Oh my God, you freaking are like, you can sing, you can act, you can dance, you can write, you can produce, you can play the what piano, the trumpet, the bass. You're a cool mother, you're a scientist. You gotta tell me one thing that you can't do so I can feel better about myself, please. What can I, you not do? I, I cannot remember where my keys are every day. <laughs> what? I'm not, that's not acceptable. I'm not taking that. No, I wanted something like- No, I, I, for, I mean, I really, I really appreciate it. And, and it really is such lovely praise, you know, from someone with such an amazing journey also. Um, you know, I do a lot of things imperfectly and um, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually a lot like my character Kat, you know, like I am sloppy and I am socially anxious and I don't always say the right thing. I have a hard time owning my voice. And when I try to, I often sound angry. <laughs> so like I have a lot of things I got to work on. Um, and actually I wanted to do a YouTube video about like five things about me that prove that I still need a lot of therapy. You know? Okay, like, I want to see that. I want to so see much, that. Yeah, I got to get it together. <laughs> okay. No, I'm, I'm still definitely a work in progress. And you know, I am, I'm a, I'm, I'm not a very precise person. So I do, I lose things. I drop th like I break things. I got a beautiful dining room table. I've already scratched it. And I'm like, what's with me? <laughs> That's why everyone needs to watch uh, uh, Call Me Cat because then if they don't know you, they'll get to know you by watching your character Cat on totally. the show then on totally. Thursday nights, you know? Um, and lastly, you know, you were 11 years old. I think when your parents, when they typed 
a letter on a typewriter. They sent yes. it to a few kid agencies. And um, I think your late father took a photo of you in your backyard at the time. Yes. And he sent it to the agencies. And then he said to them, he said, my kid looks like Barbara Streisand and Bette Midler. And so and my, oh, parents, my, said, my yeah. parents said, this child looks like both of those people. And they said, if, if she could drive, she would be at your door. Yeah. Which sounds a little creepy, but I get it. That's a, how proud you think your parents are that you continue to achieve the dreams that you keep putting out into the world, you think? My, my mother is exactly as excited as you picture a mother should be. She's out of her mind. She also is a first-generation American who was raised by two people who literally, you know, didn't really, they didn't speak English in her home. My grandparents never drove. They went on an airplane, I think, three times in their life. Like, she was raised in a tenement house in the Bronx during World War II. Like, this woman is like, that's my daughter. So, like, all those things. Um, my dad was a, a little more reserved about it. But, like, my parents literally, like, they talk like Al Pacino. Like, that's my <laughs> picture, Al Pacino. That's my parents. They just remind me um, of my parents who are from Italy. They totally, when you're saying this, I'm thinking, my mom's like that. My dad oh, looks like it's that. the same. Yeah. It's the same, it's all the same. Um, no, they're, I mean, extremely excited. And, you know, for my mom, it's, it's, it's tremendous because also, you know, my mom was an early feminist before they called it that. You know, she was an empowered woman who got married at 18, not because she was pregnant. She didn't want to have kids. She was like, I want to get my degree. She finished college. So like my mom has her own amazing dream. That's how I got here. And my grandmother who had to, you know, flee her family and lose half her siblings also had an amazing story. Like we all have those stories. So, um, you know, it's those women who got me here and obviously the men too, but you know. I can't, I just like, honestly, I, I am so, I feel so blessed, grateful to have you on our show because especially at a day like today where there's gonna, you know, so much love we're putting into the universe. And so having you on a Spoonful of Apollo means so much to me. So in honor of you um, being a guest on our show, we are going to be donating um, $200 to the National Alliance what? on Mental oh, Illness. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you. Yes. I, I just to bring awareness out there. Um, are all is... of your checks that big? No, yeah, just only your check. This is special for you. It's been donated, but this is for you. I want to see what your checkbook looks like. See, it's yeah. giant. It's special. Hello. Like, hello. Yeah. So we're going to do that. That is so lovely. Just, thank you. Yes, of course. Just it's our way of saying thank you because we are so, my husband and I, we watch you. We've been watching watching you every Thursday night. We're so proud of you. And take Thank this, you. take it in, take it in because life is, you know, it's so crazy in and out, in and out, but take these moments in because you, you so deserve this, okay? You just do. Thank you. Really, thank you for being a guest. And we love you so much. Oh my gosh, I, I made a new best friend. I'm you so did. excited. And thank you for getting up at 7 a.m. And I'm like, Patrick, is she, I hope this is okay. She's getting up at seven o'clock to this interview, like earlier. No, I can't guarantee I look my best, but you know, you, I, I made an effort here. There's stop. some makeup on. You look, okay, listen, let me, I'll be honest with you. Listen to this gay boy. You look absolutely beautiful, okay? You look beautiful. So don't Thank forget you. that, okay? Thank you so much. All right, enjoy the rest of the day, and I can't wait to see you on Thursday nights on Fox, okay? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ciao. We have a great day. Ciao, bye. That was so fun. Oh I love her so much. <laughs> so sweet. Oh. Thanks for joining me today on the A Spoonful Apollo podcast. For tons more interviews or the video version of this episode, visit our website, aspoonfulapollo.com or our YouTube channel. I'm Paolo Presta, and I hope you always remember to dream big. Spoonful Apollo! <laughs> I love you, Oprah. Bye, everyone. We'll see you next time.